couple of years ago, I pulled into my driveway driving my 12-year-old car, and I reached down and I pulled the parking brake, and all of a sudden the top of it snapped completely off. Aside from being a little bit surprised that these toothpick arms of mine could uh, display such a feat of strength, I stood there holding the top of my parking brake, kind of wrestling with what to do. I didn't want to call the mechanic. I didn't want to get a price on this parking brake. I didn't want to be told that the whole parking brake had to be replaced. And I didn't want to invest that kind of time, let alone that kind of money, into fixing a part that really didn't enhance the experience of driving that car, especially because I was about a year away from giving it to my oldest son when they got their G2. And so uh, I made a decision in that moment that I'm not terribly proud of, but uh, in the interest of full transparency, uh, I wanted to share it with you today. I opted for this. That's right, like a hockey stick. I wrapped the duct tape around the top of that parking brake until it was nice and firm and tight and gave it the old good enough because I didn't want to invest any more energy, let alone money, into something like that. And I'm wondering today, how many of us have made a, a similar decision? Maybe not with duct tape, maybe not related to our car or a house, but, but with our lives. How many of us have ever taken a shortcut instead of being willing to pay the full cost to actually do something right? Ever made that decision in a relationship, took a Band-Aid solution instead of paying the full cost, or in our financial lives, tried for a quick fix or a, or a shortcut, or when it comes to behaviors or habits that you can't kick, you know, have there been times, maybe more specifically, where you've tried to take a shortcut with the full cost and full invitation to devotion that God has invited you into? So that's what we want to consider today as we camp out again for the third consecutive week in the same passage in the book of Exodus, the story of the plagues of Egypt. In the first week, Mike walked us through this theme as the severity of the plagues escalated, that in the severity of the plagues, God was revealing increasing power over Egypt's other gods in a way that today can remind us to let go of all the other gods in our lives because the God of the Bible is bigger than all of them. And then last week, Mike helped us understand that, again, in the severity of the plagues against Egypt, we see an increasing demonstration of God's sovereignty, not just his power, but his control over all things, so that you and I today can trust him with our lives, because above all else, God is in control. And today, we want to take kind of a third crack, looking at a third theme that this episode in the book of Exodus helps us understand for today. But instead of camping out more specifically on the nature of God, we're going to take a closer look at human nature as we evaluate this story through the lens of the Egyptian pharaoh. See, if you're unfamiliar with this story, uh, God approached the Pharaoh of Egypt and asked them to do you know, one very simple thing, to free the nation of Israel from their slavery and oppression, to let his people go. But we need to appreciate that through the experience and through the life of the Egyptian Pharaoh, while simple, that would have been no easy task to relieve all of Israel from their brick-building slavery uh, 
would have completely upset the economic engine of the entire nation. It would have certainly had political implications in the Egyptian pharaoh, and it would have cost him severely personally. So it's no surprise that by the time God first approaches the Pharaoh through his spokespeople of Moses and his brother Aaron, it says this in Exodus 7 verse 13. It says, Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them. Right? Understand that that comment of a hard heart was not a, a medical diagnosis. It was more of a spiritual commentary where people understood the term heart to reference more to your will. And the hardness of heart was like a resistance or a stubbornness of will. Pharaoh was refusing to obey God because it would cost him too much. And so as we watch through the escalating kind of plagues that God sort of inflicts on the nation of Egypt, we can see this behavior and see this choice play out. But I want to make a comment before we dive in uh, on a bit of a disclaimer related to this idea of Pharaoh's heart being hardened, because sometimes as you read through these first nine plagues in their escalating intensity, you see that Pharaoh's heart became hard. Other times it says that Pharaoh himself hardened his heart, and sometimes the language even suggests that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It gets kind of confusing to know what's going on. Was Pharaoh making choices, or was he just a puppet to God's sovereign control? And while scholars might disagree on this, I think they generally come to some consensus that both realities are at play to some degree. That on the one hand, God fully foreknew what was going to happen, and he enacted these plagues as a demonstration of his power and sovereignty to Israel and to all the nations, meaning that the whole time, like we learned last week, God was in sovereign control. At the same time, though, Pharaoh could have chose any time to obey God and to relieve himself of these consequences. And so throughout the escalating intensity of these plagues, we need to appreciate that Pharaoh had a conscious choice, that he also was in complete control. And it's a blend that still applies today for you and I in the sovereignty of God and the capacity of our conscious choice, our free will and God's control. But it's actually as we observe that dynamic, specifically through the lens of Pharaoh's choices, specifically as those plagues escalate in their intensity, that we can notice some themes that we can draw out to apply to our lives today. The first theme, if we're paying attention to this escalating intensity that's worth noting, is that as the plagues increased in their intensity, Pharaoh gained increasing certainty that it was God at work. You, you couldn't blame Pharaoh for not knowing that the God of Israel was requesting him to set his people free. It was becoming abundantly, increasingly clear. At the beginning, it might not have been so clear. In the first plague, where Moses converted the water of the Nile River into blood, it says this in Exodus 7.22. It says, but the Egyptian magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. It could have been excused that Pharaoh couldn't discern who was actually requesting to set Israel free because his magicians could do the same thing. But by the third plague, it says this. It says, since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. By this point already, the magicians are no longer able to replicate what God is doing. Instead, they're crediting God for what he's doing. 
And it becomes increasingly abundantly clear to Pharaoh and to everyone else that it is Israel's God that's requesting him to set them free. It says by the eighth plague, the plague of locusts in Exodus 10, that Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so they may worship the Lord their God. Right? Over time throughout this story, it becomes increasingly certain to Pharaoh that it is Israel's God who is requesting him to let Israel free. Another theme that we notice as the plagues increase in their intensity is not only does Pharaoh gain certainty that it's God speaking, but he gains clarity on what God wants. He gains increasing clarity on what God wanted from him. So again, it can't be excused that Pharaoh couldn't deliver a certain outcome because he wasn't clear on the desired outcome to begin. Like an employee saying, oh, I didn't realize that that's what you wanted of me. That can't be said of Pharaoh, although it might have been understood early on. In the second plague, for example, the plague of frogs, it says this in Exodus 8, when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron. Maybe Pharaoh saw once the plague subsided that God wasn't really serious and that he, he really didn't want that full release of Israel from their slavery and oppression. But as the plagues gain in intensity, Pharaoh becomes increasingly acutely clear. Look at the seventh plague, the plague of hail. It says in Exodus chapter 9, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. He's starting to understand now that he's flagrantly disobeying the intent of the God of Israel. And by the final plague, the ninth plague, the plague of, or sorry, by the eighth plague, the plague of locusts, it says this in Exodus chapter 10, that Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Pharaoh's not only clear at this point to whom he's sinning against, but that he's sinning repeatedly, both against God and against Moses. And it becomes acutely clear throughout the increasing escalation of intensity of these plagues, not just that Moses is certain that it's the God of Israel talking, but clear on what the God of Israel wants him to do, that he consistently refuses. And that, gang, is ultimately the point that I want us to notice as we survey again these escalating plagues against Egypt is in spite of the fact that Moses is increasingly certain, and in spite of the fact that he's increasingly clear on what God wants of him, that at the end of the day, Pharaoh increasingly, only partially submitted to God. Pharaoh never relented and allowed Israel to go fully free. He never gave God the full surrender that he was asking. He only ever gave him partial submission, even though he was gaining certainty that it was God talking to him, and even though he was gaining clarity on what God wanted. Check out how far he's willing to go by the fourth plague, the plague of flies. It says in Exodus chapter 8, Pharaoh said, I will let you go offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. You see the control he's still trying to retain, making sure that he doesn't upset his economic engine? By the plague of locusts, the eighth plague, it says this. It says, Pharaoh said, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Again, if the women and children stay back, it means that they'll only be gone temporarily and Pharaoh will be able to retain control. He won't have to fully surrender. 
And even by the final, the ninth plague, the plague of darkness, it says this in Exodus 10, verse 24. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Even by the ninth and final plague, Pharaoh still was not willing to relinquish full control to what certainly God clearly was asking of him. And at the end of the day, that gang is the point for us to take away today. As we survey this episode in the book of Exodus of the plagues against Egypt, we need to appreciate that at any time, Pharaoh could have chosen to obey God. In fact, instead of God wiping him out right away with the worst plague, God increasingly escalated them as if he's being gracious to Pharaoh to give him a chance to turn to him and repent. But again and again, Pharaoh chose to take a shortcut. He cho chose to do only what it took to relieve himself of the current pain in front of him instead of going all in and giving God the full surrender that he requested. At some level, Pharaoh was taking kind of a duct tape approach to how he was responding to God and trying to take a Band-Aid solution to take the path of least resistance instead of being willing to pay the full cost that God was requesting that he pay. You know, in previous weeks, as we've surveyed the nature of God, it's important to remember, uh, as Mike has taught us, that you know, this one episode of God kind of raining down these plagues on the nation of Egypt is a kind of an isolated incident and not intended to be kind of uh, corroborated in our day today, meaning we shouldn't be afraid that God is kind of sitting up in heaven waiting to rain down plagues if we're not going to give him our full obedience. That's not the nature of God. That's not his heart of love for you and I. What we can't miss, though, if we're going to experience the full punch of what the scriptures have from the perspective of Pharaoh in our lives today, what we can't miss is that there is a consequence to our hardness of heart, and there is a consequence to our hesitancy to go all in with God that we actually, in our conscious choice, just like Pharaoh, that we inflict on ourselves. And while God is eager for us to turn our hearts fully to him, we often plague ourselves with our half-hearted duct tape approach to full obedience in Christ. Think about it, for example, in our financial lives, you know, in the way that we handle money. How many of us today are plagued by the burden of financial stress, plagued by the sense of not having enough, plagued by the sense of not keeping up with the Joneses or always wanting more, all because we won't go all in on God's vision for how to steward and generously give away and faithfully give back to God and live with contentment when it comes to our material resources. How many of us are plagued by materialism and consumerism? Or when it comes to our relationships, how many of us are plagued by the hauntedness of a broken relationship or by the anxiety of unforgiveness, all because we're not willing to go all the way and engage in the full process that God's laid out in his scriptures of resolving a conflict, all because we're not willing to say the full truth or speak it fully in love. How many of us live with the plague of broken relationships because we won't go all in on God's vision for them? 
How many of us are plagued by kind of a surface level flat faith because we're only going to give God a couple hours of our week in faith? How many of us are haunted by the embarrassment of a bad habit because we won't fully open our hearts to allow God by his spirit to change us from the inside out? And how many of us are plagued by the ravaging of addiction because we won't fully surrender to God's vision for the full process of recovery? Appreciate that while God's heart is of love for us, we can actually choose to give him a duct tape approach to our followership of him, and it only ever always plagues us when we do. So the question today in our lives is to consider in what ways, especially in what ways we're certain that God is nudging us and are clear on what God wants, in what ways are we taking the shortcut? the band-aid solution, the path of least resistance to duct tape our approach to responding to God instead of giving him a full, soft, responsive heart and a fullness of surrender, willing to pay the cost to experience his full activity in us. Because gang, that's the vision that Jesus invites us into today. That's what the book of Exodus ultimately illustrates, the way God wants to work in our lives today through the risen life and power of Jesus Christ, who wants to set us free from the power and, and, and paralysis and oppression of sin and death and enable us to live a full, vibrant life of abundance. The point today is that there's a posture required for you and I to experience that way of life. There's a posture required to experience that kind of liberation. It's the posture of a soft, responsive heart to God, especially when we're certain that he's calling us and especially when we're clear on what he wants of us. It's a soft heart that turns to God fully and offers a full surrender, a full yieldedness to his vision for our lives. Not a half-hearted, heart-hearted, you know, kind of shortcut approach that takes a duct tape band-aid solution instead of giving God our fullness of devotion, even though it costs us. And as we're considering the ways that God might want to work more fully in our lives, let's appreciate that this vision of experiencing a life of liberation is not ultimately intended to be exclusively or primarily about us. That at the end of the day, the power of God working in and through our lives is so that his kingdom can come and his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that requires a cost from us in the same way it cost Pharaoh. As we wrap up, let's consider the specific invitation that Pharaoh was being asked of by God to release Israel of its oppression. And one of the reasons why Pharaoh was so consistently able to disobey God was because in his privilege as Egyptian Pharaoh, he had the capacity to choose not to fully surrender. And gang, the same thing's true in our lives today, that in our privilege, we have the capacity to choose to not fully surrender, even though we learned just a couple months ago that God invites every follower of Jesus into that same life of relieving people of oppression by living a life of advocacy as followers of Jesus, specifically through the friendship that makes a difference in a life of accompaniment. 
If you weren't around a couple months ago, I'd encourage you to go back and track through the four weeks of our Hope Live series as we learned the four-step process of gaining awareness and from that awareness, engaging in relationships of alignment with the poor and those on the margins so that we can actively advance their condition, their standard of living, and sometimes get to the point where it requires activism for us to stand up and engage in systemic change towards those forces and systems of oppression in our society. That's the vision that God invites us into, that he specifically called Pharaoh to, that he's calling you and I to today as followers of his. So as we think about the way that God might want to work fully in our lives, let's consider the life of advocacy that we've been leading, especially in the last couple months as it's becoming clearer to us. You know, are you becoming better relatives with First Nations people in your life? Are the black lives in your relationships knowing that they know that they matter? Are the LGBTQ plus among us knowing that their experience of the lavish love of God is increasingly, overwhelmingly inclusive? And are you voluntarily reducing the standard of your life towards enough so that the global poor can increasingly experience more of enough in their lives? Remember, that's the invitation of Jesus, to voluntarily relinquish our privilege to enhance the quality of life of those of less privilege. And shortcuts prevent us from experiencing the fullness of God's kingdom among us. And more importantly, they plague us when we choose them. So let's resist the temptation to take a duct tape approach to our faith in God, to take shortcuts and to choose the path of least resistance instead of embracing a fullness of surrender. Because the fullness of God's activity in our lives and among us together happens as the result of a full yieldedness to his vision for it. That's the result of a soft and responsive heart. That, gang, is the posture of liberation. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we thank you again for the life that you invite us into. And I pray that over these last weeks, as we've understood who you are, how powerful you are, how sovereign and in control you are over all things, and the option that we have to experience your fullness in our lives, that we would respond with a soft and responsive heart that we would give you a fullness of surrender and yieldedness and that we would enable ourselves to experience the fullness of your power and sovereignty in and among us. God, particularly when it comes to paying the cost, particularly paying the cost of privilege, I pray that we would embrace the way of Jesus and that we would voluntarily, increasingly choose to relinquish our privilege, to enhance those of less privilege that we would live lives of advocacy and that we would fight against oppression and systems of injustice in our day, no matter what it costs us, so that we can see the fullness of your love and power flow. God, help us not to take shortcuts, to take the path of least resistance, to band-aid our approach and to live kind of a duct tape version of faith with you, all because we're afraid to surrender ourselves fully to you. God, fill us with your love now and help us to embrace you in a fuller way than we ever have before because it's in that fullness of devotion, that fullness of surrender that we can experience the fullness of your love and power 
among us. We thank you for that and pray that that would be true of our lives and our community together in the days and weeks to come. We love you. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.